Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Toledo Matters podcast. With us, as always, is your host, Bob Tucker, and your co-host, Danny Woodcock, and I am your engineer, Nathan Lewis. <laughs> I am your engineer. I like that. Yeah. We added it in last time. I figured I'd keep it going. Heck yeah, man. Give <laughs> you the credit where credit's due. Welcome back to the Toledo Matters podcast, everyone. We really appreciate you joining us here today. Bob's on his phone, so I got to do this part. He's checking Snapchat. Well, yeah, so I signed up for Snapchat. <laughs> Who knows how long ago? I, I ne- almost never look at it. And then Danny's like, I keep sending you stuff on Snapchat. What, 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 what's wrong with you? Do you never look at that? And the answer is no, I, I do right. never look at that. So, Which is like any other respectable yeah. person. Yeah, disappointing because I'm sending you some real flattering photos of myself. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, today with us we have uh, Steve Madewell, who's the director of the Metro Parks. and uh, Prominent musician. Yeah, he's also uh, a pretty good musician. Very interesting guy, for, definitely. Uh, for anyone going to opening day at Hensville or Hensville Park, he's actually going to be playing on top of nine, two to three thirty by himself. He's a one man band. And when you say opening day, you mean opening day for Yeah, the like the hens opening day. And Not then they're opening having, for the which, And what day is that? Sorry, the mud hens opening day. Yeah. Uh, let me stroll up. That would be April 7th, Thursday, April 7th. Cool. Hensville. And Hensville will be having a block party for the opening day of the Mud Hens. And Steve Madewell will be playing on top of one of those new buildings called the Nine at 2 to 3.30 p.m. Also, friend of the show, Larry Myers Band, will be playing 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. party time in the Fleetwood Room. And we'll, we'll definitely be there. Maybe we'll, we'll uh, put a little little booth up or something and get people yeah. for signing up for the show. We need get like hats or something. Yeah, we need yeah to, maybe we'll we be, maybe something. we'll have some swag for people at that. <laughs> if anyone makes cool. clothes and wants to help us out, we don't know. Anything. In kind donations. Right. <laughs> That's what we're looking for. Um, but yeah, so he, he was a good talk and it kind of an interesting talk. It was, it was more, it was really focused on, you know, the outdoors and, and Metro parks, which is I think kind of a different thing for us so far. And it was pretty cool. Yeah. We've yeah, never no talked about the Metro, the Metro parks. parks. Well, no. All right. Okay. Okay. But outdoors issues and stuff. Sure. And we, we even showed him, uh, Nate's, uh, bow hunting gear before he mm. left, but that was off the air. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of things we never talk about, Bob, I hear you went somewhere great to eat recently. When Ryan Bunch was on the show, he mentioned uh, Bangkok Cafe in Northwood. And I made it over there last week or something for lunch. You know, it's a bit of a drive, whatever, but it's worth it. it I had the Tom Gok guy. I'm just going to screw that up. I had the chicken <laughs> soup that is really just good. Just say it in American. You didn't get the pho? <laughs> no, I didn't get Well, I figure, you know, pho is Vietnamese, right? So they have like a yeah, right, pho-like sure. thing. And I thought, no, let's get let's get Thai food. So I got Thai food. And I'm uh, jealous. I'm very, very jealous. I also got the green curry. Green curry is like one of my go-to things at Thai places. I got their green curry. I don't even know the difference. So we, we did have a, uh, a a big step for the show. We were asked to be on television. Yeah, that, that was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Well, it was fun once we started. I was about to throw up beforehand, but once we kind of got going, I, I felt a little better. And if, if you had, like we told you, it would have gone viral. And we yeah, well, even really the camera guy, I was, like, I was like, if I'm going to throw up, like, do I give you a signal? He's like, no, just throw up. That's great for ratings. I was like, okay. <laughs> it really helps if you just spin in your chair the whole time because it relaxes your yeah. Yeah, we were doing that a little bit. We're, we're clearly not used to being. You in did front it of for like t- ten seconds. I did it for four and a half minutes. Yeah. Wait, so I, I didn't do it because I'm a professional. <laughs> <laughs> so for folks who don't know, uh, it, we were on WTOL Channel 11 in, in their morning show. Give it and shout out to them. Yeah. Tune in. Thank you. Um, yeah. You know they do weather. They do you know local stories and stuff. So if you're drinking your coffee in the morning, tune into Channel 11 and check them out. Yeah. Is that what the news does? 
<laughs> well, it's a morning show. It's not news. And, and just for context, like we were just contacted out of blue by them, and that said, "Can you be here tomorrow morning, right? Eight right. thirty, yeah. <laughs> which we did, and and it worked out. It, it was, did. It was, it was cool. We also owe a shout out to um, someone did some graphic design for oh, yeah. us, Danny. Oh, Do you want to yeah. go into yeah. into that? Thank you for the heads up, Jacob Parr. You are the man. Did this a new, great job. This new logo we got. All the stuff coming out on our Facebook. He he. Made all this up for me. He sent me some logos. He sent me some text. Totally to use. free of charge. Just did it. Did it uh, to help oh, us out. So for the love, yep. Jacob Parr, you're the man. If you guys haven't heard of Spar Games yet, they got a crazy good Kickstarter. Made about fifty grand of their fifteen thousand dollar goal. It's called Master Thief. It's a card game all about uh, you're you're an art thief. And basically, you and the people at the table you're playing with are trying to steal some pretty expensive pieces of art. And I might be, you know, escaping the Louvre with the Mona Lisa, and then Bob might trip the wire. And then all of a sudden, the game's changed drastically. So if you guys haven't checked that out, go ahead and Google Master Thief. Check out Spar Games on Facebook or That's Twitter. S-P-A-R-R Games. So thanks a lot, Jacob. That was uh, that yeah. was really big help, and we really, really, really like what you got for us. So yeah, thanks. It was a big improvement. So. Definitely. No offense, Dan. <laughs> no, I suck. I know I suck. <laughs> all right, guys, anything else? No, it sounds like the dogs are barking. We're ready to go. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's probably about enough of our blabber. So now we will get on with the interview. All right. With us today is Steve Madewell, the executive director of the Toledo Metro Parks. Uuh, did I get that right? Yep. Pronounced everything okay? Yeah, it'll work. <laughs> thanks so, for coming in. Yeah, thanks for coming here. in. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm, I appreciate the interest. Yeah. So, uh, are you from Toledo or are you from elsewhere? Actually, I grew up in the Dayton area. Okay. And uh, I worked down there uh, with the Green County Park System for a number of years after going to college at, at uh, the Western College of Miami University. And then um, was up in northeastern Ohio at the Geauga Park District and the Lake Metro Parks before coming here. So, you've been in, in, in park districts for, <laughs> it seems like, your professional career. What, that is correct. What drew you to that? Well, um, it's interesting because I, I really didn't think I, I, I had much of an option. You know, um, I grew up in a family that was always involved in the out of doors. Uh, I remember my dad when I was about 12 years old. You guys wouldn't remember this. But uh, uh, it was a big deal when no deposit, no return bottles came out. Ah. Okay, everything prior to that. You, you paid a deposit and you returned it pretty much, you know, as far as beverage, drinks, and whatnot. And I remember Pop sitting on a, on a lawn chair and looking at a Pepsi bottle that had proudly displayed no deposit, no return, and him reading it out loud and saying, this makes absolutely no sense. You know? And it doesn't, right? right. Yeah. You know? I Especially mean, it's a short-scale economy. Yeah, without, like, a recycling system in place at that point, mm -hmm. it, it's mm -hmm. just all going in the garbage, right? Well, it had, yeah. a, it had a recycling system in place, yeah. and the recycling system was you took that bottle back and you got five cents or whatever. Sure, right? but it, as a consumer at your house, mm -hmm. well, other, other than taking it back to... to it was shared it. responsibility yeah. at that time, and yeah. we've kind of gotten away from those things. But anyway, uh, to answer your question, you know, I just, I grew up with having that, that outdoor ethic and engagement in the outdoors. And uh, it never occurred to me until I um, got a summertime job at a nature center um, that there was this whole thing called conservation as a career. Yeah. And so that kind of was a life altering experience. Went back, changed my major to environmental studies and just kept going from there. So that was in college when you had that mm -hmm. eureka mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. What, what were you heading toward at that point? 
Um, I was um, a philosophy major. Okay. Nice. Where'd you go to school? Did you say that? Yeah. Western College was an interdisciplinary studies program at Miami University that started in, I think, 74. And it was a team-taught program. It was really cool. It was an experimental program at the well. It's not not in place in the same um, uh, system or uh, configuration as it was created. But it was really a neat program. Cool. Yeah. How long were you there for? Uh, I uh, dropped out of school my junior year. Right on. Yeah. Right on. So it was real funny. You guys were asking me about music, and you know, I was, I was, for some reason, I was thinking today about my third grade teacher sent a note home to my mom that said, uh, "Don't waste your money on on music lessons <laughs> to this kid." And you know, and I I uh, left college in my junior year, and and so I'm still you know a semi professional musician, and I've had a, quite a good career in in the the park world, and most of the jobs I've had have you know. The general threshold is to start with a, uh, you know, a master's degree or something. Yeah. <laughs> I've got here, you know. <laughs> that's just what well. they say. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So what do you play? Oh, I'm a, I'm a guitar player. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm a singer-songwriter. I, 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 you know, it was early in my conservation uh, career. It was very early, uh, very important to have that uh, supplemental income. Mm-hmm. So I'd gig out four or five nights a, a week. Gig out, I like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was a working musician for a long, long time. And about 10 years ago, I gave myself a break and started writing songs. Okay. And dialed back the performance schedule quite a bit, but I'm still playing. Man, that's awesome. What do you, uh, what type of genre are you in? Uh, you know, it's, it's it's kind of an Americana folk, and I know that's such a cliche thing to say, but, uh, you know, I, I write a lot of stuff that's inspired by places I've been and things that I've seen mm-hmm. uh, while I've been traveling around. Cool. And um, so, you know, I, I, I write things with historic overtones, and, and, you know, of course, there's a lot of environmental influence there, too. Oh, yeah. So after, you know, doing this uh, to my entire life, you know, these kind of interests and career paths are kind of merging. Right. So it's neat. Yeah. Do you do you still? He says you've cut back on the performing. Do you still perform some? Or oh yeah, I do about yeah. twenty five, thirty shows a year. Yeah. Wow, you perform around Toledo, or do you go elsewhere? Every or? now and then, I'll sit in with Bobby May and Johnny Borelli. Okay. Uh, those guys are fantastic players, you know. And uh, I'll, I'll walk down the street. I live down in the warehouse district. I'll walk down the street on Friday nights and sit in with them, uh, you know, on an early show down there. But um, mostly, I, I I travel a bit when I'm playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if somebody. Can, can is your music available online? Oh somewhere yeah, or? yeah. Every now and then I get these royalty checks from you know, see <laughs> uh, baby with you know nine cents for you know individual sales to Spotify. Sure. Apple's pretty good, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. So like you're on Spotify and Apple Music, sure, that, sure. So. Okay, and, and if somebody wanted to search for you, they'd just search for your name or yeah. All right, so yeah. you don't have a stage name or anything. No, no. I got a website, madewellmusic.com, okay. all that kind of stuff. But Very cool. really, we're here to talk about the parks, right? Well, we're here to talk oh, about, you, talk about oh, you. Oh, okay. Well, and and the parks too, but it, it's interesting that you know everybody's more than just their job, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a you know, and that is such a great perspective because you know when I came to Toledo uh, about four years ago, one of the things that I was I was really drawn to is the fact that there's a lot that's here. It's not what it appears to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a small compact. A Midwestern city, and of course, we've got this deep manufacturing uh, roots and all of that sort of stuff. But really, the reason that the city's here is because this tremendous location on the Great Lakes and on the Maumee River, yeah, in the mouth of the Ottawa River, and and those things that abundance of natural resources is what drove this city's early development. Mm-hmm. And so we've got away from that over time. 
And and so when you ask a question, you know, it's more it's more than what you appear. That's so true, and it's true about this community. There's a lot going on here, and the Metro Parks is a remarkable asset for this community. And, uh, you know, I'm so humbled and, and so privileged to be a part of it, and, and we've gotten some tremendous things going on. And the, the depth of the resources and the depth of the history that's represented in this park system and the subtlety of how really beautiful and how magnificent this part of Ohio is is, is really engaging for me. So when when were you brought in to the Pluto Metro Parks? It's about- April 2nd, 2012. Okay. Wow, the exact day. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't start <laughs> April 1st. You know? <laughs> That'd be pretty, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wasn't going to go there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I, I live near Wildwood. That's, uh-huh. that's mm-hmm. kind of the primary Metro Park I go to. Sure. Um, and, I, you know, I grew up here, so I've been to a lot of them. But mm-hmm. I was on the, the website. Uh, this morning to prepare for this mm-hmm. and uh just looking at the list of metro parks there's some i'd never heard of and and it kind of astonished me as like a lifelong Toledoan who likes to think he knows what's going on but <laughs> there are metro parks that I, I wasn't even aware of yep uh one of the things that we've got is a tremendous uh identity association with our bigger parks yeah right Sure. Everybody gets it. You know, everybody's got their, their favorite park. Where we really need to improve, and I think this is true for the whole uh, region, is is to expand that system's identity for the park system, right? Mm-hmm. And and elevate the, 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 the quality of the region, you know, yeah. in doing so. But, you know, we've got a, a magnificent uh, collection of nine major reservations or large parks. Our objective is to try to create more of a systems awareness and to connect those large parks together by open space greenways and trails. So, so that's part of our plan. What would be an example of, of connecting two places together with a greenway? Well, um, you know, we have been working for uh, since 2012 on connecting Secor Metro Parks with the Oak Openings. Now, Ooh. Oak Openings is over 4,500 acres. Yeah. yeah. And beautiful. Yeah, it's a spectacular oh, park. And the cool thing about the Oak Openings is when you go there, most people have this idea of primeval Ohio as being these mag- majestic, magnificent virgin forests, right? Yeah. But Shining actually, trees. these oak savannas that exist out in the Oak Openings give you a glimpse into Ohio's past. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. I mean, because they are very unique to this part of Ohio. Uh, it's most biologically diverse corner of the state. There's more rare and endangered state-listed species in northeastern or northwestern Ohio than any other part of Ohio. And so we've been working to connect uh, oak openings to Secor, first in a big ecological corridor because of the reasons I just mentioned. But secondly, to try to build a connection of trail systems that link them all together. Now, at the same time, we're working with a number of agencies and officials in the county to link the University Parks Trail on out towards the Olander Park system, and then from Olander down to Secor. Yeah. Okay, and so yeah, suddenly yeah. you start to see this loop. Okay? Sure. And then this year, you know, in October, uh, we opened up um, Fallen Timbers Battlefield. Yeah. And Fallen Timbers Battlefield is a, a really a very special place for obvious reasons. The history there is incredible. But it also is located right at the confluence or the intersection of the north and south branches or sections of the Wabash Cannibal Trail, okay? And it's connected by a trail from the battlefields over to Sidecut Metro Parks. And we've been, we worked with the city of Maumee 
to take and improve a two-mile two section of trail down on the river so people can hike along the river or bike along the river without getting whacked by a car. Sure, right? yeah. And so what we're doing is we built this uh, part of our 20-year vision plan is this, this, this vision for a connected park system, connecting parks to parks and parks to communities. And it's not something that we're going to do on our own, obviously. We're working, like I mentioned, with, you know, Maumee, Old sure. Park System, um, Waterville, and um, White House. Just worked on a, a trail connector this year. So these are really exciting things. But idea is is to create this image for northwestern Ohio that's built around a system, mm-hmm. not necessarily individual destinations. Right, yeah. That's that great. makes sense. It yeah, does. That's yeah. great. I love the 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 Cannonball Trail is one of my favorite places to bike. Oh yeah, it's a it's a great trail, and you know the University Parks Trail is a great trail. Mm-hmm. A city, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention City of Oregon, and and we work together with them. Um, Mike Beasley and and his folks, very for, forward thinking. They created a trail that links Pearson Metro Park to Maumee Bay State Park. Oh, oh, nice. Okay, and so if you look at the whole county. You know, on the east side, we've got these large federal blocks of land. Like Mickey Marsh. And, well, yeah. that's, a, that's a state one. Okay, yeah. but you've got the state <laughs> properties out there. I was going there next. We've sure. got the federal properties like uh, um, uh, the um, Cedar Point Wildlife Area and Ottawa Wildlife Area. The state wildlife areas uh, like McGee Marsh yeah, and yeah. Metzger Marsh. Then we've got the state park, Maumee Bay. And then we got Pearson Park, and, and and one of our big projects we're working on out there, Howard Marsh. So on the east side of the county, that represents about 13,000 acres of open space out there. That yeah. if we connect them and leverage them together, it can become a really powerful destination point and sense of place for that side of the county. Yeah. The western side of the county, I was mentioning the oak openings, same kind of deal. When you throw in Maumee Bay State, uh, or Maumee State Forest, Kitty Tide by the Nature Conservancy, all of our park park areas and the state and natural areas parcels, that together comes up to over 12,000 acres. So again, we're a metropolitan area that has a big block of open space on the east side, a big block of open space on the west side. And then right in the center of our county, we have got what in effect is the Mississippi River of the Great Lakes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think yeah. about it. Yeah. This, is, this is one of the, the country's most historic waterways, been used by people for thousands of years. It uh, has the, most, the largest walleye spawning run yep. in the world. Yeah. Okay. One of my favorite things for Toledo. It, it, it's a great thing, it, you know, that's followed by white bass and smallmouth bass and a host of other fish that are less uh, exploited. And it's got a tremendous, well, that, you know, that's where you got to look at it, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and it's got a host of recreational opportunities that um, we need to think about and we need to make kind of a top of our head when yeah. we think about this yeah. region. Yeah. Because kayaking is a big thing. You know? Those dragon boat races. In oh, the they summer. were way cool. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> so what do you guys do? I mean, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're sure. that age group where um, people, um, you're the age group. That really is is taking the nice. place to the next level. So, so what do well, you with, see with the parks in particular? Before I had kids, I think um, we probably used them less, but in a different way. We we, we were more let's bike down the university trail park uh, trail and, and go through Wildwood and so forth for for kind of like exercise more than like 
anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I have a three and a half year old who loves just walking through the park uh-huh. and like, because you know, you, you don't have to worry about cars. You don't have to worry about right. anybody hitting them. And he just loves running through the woods. <laughs> which, sure. So, uh, I feel like we, we do that a fair amount, but I feel like we should do it even more just because of how, mm-hmm. how great yeah. it is. And, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we primarily use Wildwood because, like I said, it's we live near there. Yeah. 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 Um, what, what about you? Uh, well, I use them primarily for recreation, the parks. Mm-hmm. So I live, I lived rather, uh, right off Richards Road. So I can mm-hmm. hop on that trail and it's about three miles to get to the park opening on the University Parks Trail. And uh, I really like going there just because there's this one really big tree. And I might sound a little weird here, but I do yoga outside sometimes. <laughs> sure. And that spot is so secluded. It, it's You know which tree I'm talking about? It's back in the, the big grass plains, and yep. you can walk through it. And then sure. there, you got to kind of cut through a little ways. But it, it's so nice there. It's so peaceful and quiet on top of a hill. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, the ability to go there and just, you know, everyone's pretty nice. Someone's got mm-hmm. a dog. You can usually pet it and walk up. Mm-hmm. It's a nice place to... You know, mm-hmm. meet some lovely ladies. That's mm-hmm. a good spot. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, in summer, it's good. We we get some friends together, and we'll go out there. And Danny play uses the parks very differently than me and Bob. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the married. Well, I'm not, yeah, I'm not married with kids. I like to rollerblade around the outside too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you guys are bouncing on on, on some pretty important things. Uh, you know, you you mentioned. Oh, go ahead. And, and there's some classes over summer. Not okay, classes, sure. but like there was an archery, uh-huh. an archery exhibit. Yeah. There was some stand up paddle boarding. Yeah, yeah. that. The, those little hidden programs. We I just yeah. grabbed a program once after a run, and yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, there's so much stuff for under five dollars. I can go paddleboard for two bucks. Are you kidding? <laughs> Psst, I'll pay you later." <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, but yeah. You, you guys are mentioning some very what I believe is very important things. One is you talked about the desire to go out more with your your kid. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, historically in our park and in, in the field. You know, you measured your success by the size of your park systems, and I'm really happy to say that that the Metro Parks has grown thanks to the support of the people of Lucas County and some very creative staff uh, with grant writing and whatnot. We've grown to over 12,000 acres in size. You know, wow. so that's a big deal. We're one of the uh, top 25 park systems, our top 25 percent park systems across the nation because we're certified by CAPRA, which is a accreditation process, um, and our visitation this year, it appears that our visitation is going to exceed 4 million people. Oh, wow. Awesome. Okay, so historically, that's the way you measured success. Sure. Yeah. Size of my property, number of people coming to programs, number of people visiting the parks, declare victory, go home. But what we've done is we've realized in the field there, there's these really important ancillary benefits that actually may be more significant than the visitation and the size. And, you know, you mentioned recreation. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a tremendous amount of research that's been done showing that active lifestyles can actually suppress or reduce the cost burden on a community for health care. Hmm. In other words, the more active... It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Okay. And the lowest common denominator... <laughs> this is great. The lowest common denominator on exercising is walking. Yeah. Right? Right. <laughs> right. right. You know? And, and, yeah. uh, you don't think about that much, but... No. But it's accessible... And so trail activities, and that matches up beautifully with what all of our surveys say, and that's 70% of our respondents tell us that trails are the biggest thing that they want, right? Yeah. But you also mentioned this idea of going out in nature. Yeah. Okay. And in the ever-changing world that we live in, okay, this whole notion of uh, serenity and constant, having some place where you can go to that's still the same, 
Yeah. And what we see is we see that transcending in generations where you will see a grandparent taking their grandkid out and saying, this is where I proposed to your grandma, you know, like under your yoga tree, right? (laughs) You know, so it's that sense of place that helps define who you are from. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, the, we, we have a long history in manufacturing here, but, you know, so many of these manufacturing centers are gone, right? Right. Mm. right. But we've got places in the park system that were created by the WPA during one of the most challenging times in the history of our country that have carried on. And you can go out sure. and you can see these markers. Um, then this other thing that, that, that we've talked about, and I ask you what you guys did, uh, because... Um, what the Metro Parks has to offer and what the community has to offer is really important to keeping people your age living here or moving here. Mm-hmm. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's real important for yeah. us to be successful and us to be thorough in these programs you're talking about. Yeah. So our program structure, and it's it's spelled out in this little brochure, is to reinvest in our, our, our interpretive programs telling the story of the Metro Parks reinvest in our environmental education programs because we do a tremendous amount of ecological services with clean water and clean air mm-hmm. with that 12,000 acres I mentioned. We have to tell our kids and our adults why that's important. And then the third thing is is teaching people how to use the parks. Yeah. You know, paddleboarding, kayaking, and yeah. archery things, you know, fishing, camping. These are all important things that a lot of people just don't know how to do today. Right. Yeah. And I wouldn't think I could just go there and bring my paddleboard that I don't have and hop <laughs> on the water. <laughs> it's great. Well, and then, um, do you guys allow hunting? I guess I don't. Uh, what we don't, we don't do. <laughs> I, I, we, there's a question in my head. Oh, no, yeah. no, that's fine. It's a, it's a perfect question. Yeah. We don't allow recreational hunting. Sure. What we do is we, we do have um, wildlife management okay. that we, we engage volunteered but certified uh, archers in specific areas of our parks because we have of that twelve thousand acres. There's some areas that that are completely they're not open to the public yet. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And then there's other areas that are pretty remote. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a responsibility to manage our entire ecosystem. Yeah. And you know it's a great question. Um, in the seventies, when the state of Ohio was making projections on the statewide deer white-tailed deer population. The, the population numbers were like 35,000. Yeah. The last time they did a statewide projection like that, it was over 750,000 deer. Wow. Okay. Now, a lot of people oh. have the tendency to think that deer are being moved out because of excessive development and whatnot. Now, in 1915, 1920, deer were pretty much removed from the state of Ohio. Yeah. So this, this has been a, a resurgence in uh, exponential growth in population, and it's not just affecting... Lucas County or Ohio, this is a problem that affects the eastern United States and even the midwestern United States, and it's beginning to have an impact on the front range states in the Rockies, where you're seeing states like Montana and Wyoming and Colorado beginning to adopt more aggressive white-tailed deer management because the population has continued to grow, and when they exceed that carrying capacity, you know, it's just like you you have a three-year-old? Yeah. Okay, and about... About 10 more years. Sure. <laughs> you're going to remember this. Yeah. Because your child is going to come home and look in the refrigerator and he's going to eat, he or she is going to eat whatever their preferred food is. Right. 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 And once that's gone, 
they'll eat another layer of food. <laughs> and once that's gone, they'll eat another layer of food until you come home and you got your kid eating a, a, a can of Vienna sausage, God forbid, <laughs> you know, because there's nothing left to eat. Sure. But they're still going to eat sure. because they're a teenager and they're growing and yada, yada. Well, what happens is deer have a, 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 a tremendous array of, of food that they will eat. And they go through the preferred, their preferred browse first. And by the time they get down to certain things, you know, or a biologist knows, that the population is way out of whack. And for example, Ohio's state flower is the trillium, white yeah. trillium. Yeah. You can hardly find them in Ohio. Really? They've been just browsed off. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, is so, that yes. a lower priority for the no, deer? No, that's that's a pretty high one. Yeah. You know, okay. but they, uh, you know, but so we don't allow hunting. What we do is we engage hunters for wildlife management, mm. and you it's can, a lottery process in the whole nine yards. Did you know that, Nate? I did. I've I've not won the lottery. <laughs> I've applied a couple times. If you open up that closet behind you, it's just full of bows. Oh, is that right, <laughs> Nate? You're all right, I guess. <laughs> Regardless of what these guys were saying about you before the right. Movie, right? <laughs> Um, well, I know in Ottawa Park, just down the road here, um, everyone who does like nice gardening and stuff on the front of their houses in this neighborhood, um, you know, is is riddled with the. There's a huge deer population in Ottawa Park, and they come across the street. And if you have, you know, flower flowers in your garden or hibiscuses or any of that stuff, that would just be absolutely gone. Oh yeah. Um, they're, um, for ornamental plants, things like tulips are for all intents and purposes like deer candy. (laughs) Um, some cedar trees are the same way. So uh, there's, um, and and, you know, when I was a a teenager, it was a really big deal to see a deer. Yeah. I mean, it was like pull the car off the road kind of thing. Like, wow, (laughs) did that get loose from the zoo or something? I know, you know, I I drive to and from Chicago a bit and Uh you always see them. Oh yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, that's one of the, uh, the tools that we use for resource management. We, we do controlled burns, especially in the Oak openings area. Um, we have a tremendous amount of non-native plants Mm -hmm. and in some instances, animals in the country. And so, uh, you know, the big item in the news uh, here recently has been the Asian carp, right? right? Yeah. You know, um, but if you go back just a few years, uh, you know, everybody's still, uh, you know, we've kind of forgotten about the emerald ash borer, but right. it killed yeah. a tremendous number of trees in, yeah. in Ohio, uh, gypsy moth. And you can let things run their course, like gypsy moths. You don't have to do anything. You can let them run their course. What happens is they eat up all the oak trees and then their population crashes. But yeah. in the meantime, you've lost all your oak trees. Sure. Right? Yeah. Sure. So um, with with deer, we, we have to be uh, a little bit more responsible in what we do. And so that's one of the methods yeah. that we are dealing with that. Yeah. Does the do the metric parks have like big plans for this coming year or like anything you want can share? Oh, with sure, us sure. Um, you know, I, I I left you guys off this this brochure. It's on our website and sure. it's um which is metroparkstoledo.com, right? That's correct. Yeah. And um, this this little brochure is a summary of a comprehensive plan that we did. And the, the comprehensive plan has three parts. It's the uh, uh, today, which is talking about how we invest in our sustainability, our financial management, our program, and our services. Uh, and then tomorrow, which is like a 10-year capital plan. And then our future, and that goes back to what I was talking about, this notion of, of an inventory of opportunities of connecting things together. But the middle plan really talks about what you just asked about. Yeah. And, you know, this year we opened Wiregrass Lake, we opened West Winds and Fallen Timbers. 
next year we'll be opening the middle grounds, which okay. is a pretty big deal downtown. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And we'll be out to bid at the um, um, Howard Marsh, which is out on the east side of of, uh, of the ca- the county. Uh, we've got some trail projects that are underway right now at 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 Secor Pearson and also at the um, Jesse Circle Trail. Uh, so we got a lot of stuff going on. Sure, yeah. Everybody, I'm so proud of our staff. Everybody has just, uh, you know, pulled up their boots, rolled up their sleeves, and, you know, people are having a great time. They're working hard. They enjoy it. And, you know, we're getting a lot of positive feedback on things. And so it's great. Well, on that note, we have, too, um, <laughs> to a testament to you guys, I think almost every episode um, we usually ask people, you know, what they what their favorite thing in Toledo or something they really like. I think almost every single person starts with Metro Parks. And well, that's sweet. You know, we we get that so else. often. We yeah. have to tell them, like, hey, <laughs> what do you like in Toledo? What do you like except in Toledo? Except the, yeah. 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 the Metro Parks. Well, now you guys. What's just your say, second favorite? Thing <laughs> yeah, Toledo, now you guys, guys. Say, have you met that guy over there? <laughs> no, no. No, um, that that's wonderful to hear, and you know. I subscribe, or I get the publications from the National Board of Realtors called uh, On Common Ground. And uh, honest to gosh, it, it, sometimes it, it, it feels like I'm, I'm writing the thing. <laughs> um, because they're saying these things about what millennials want, sure, yeah. what retirees want, mm-hmm. it's walkability, it's connected trails, uh, close proximity. When we finish the middle part of this plan I was referring to, there will be a metro park within five miles of everybody living in the county. That's, That's great. That's it's awesome. cool. Yeah. And and we have this great opportunity here. It's a fantastic park, set, park system. It was created in 28, third oldest park system in the country. Wow. Okay. Um, the, 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 the people who created it had this vision of connecting our, our greenways, our waterways, and, and, and building these reservations. Yeah. We've moved forward with that. You know, those early days were built around the canal lands and the WPA. Then in 74, the community rallied around and passed this levy to buy wildwood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't a park plan. That, right. was, that was people coming oh. to the park board saying, you need to buy this. Wasn't that a big family home before? Yeah, it was the Stranahan estate, but they, they had moved yeah. out. The, the, the property had set vacant or empty. That main house had been empty for a number of years. And, uh, you know, it was scheduled to be subdivided. And so this was a community-driven grassroots effort. And, guys, you know, I've traveled around the country a lot you know, looking at different park projects and what have you. I'll tell you, this is a national caliber story. In 1973, 74, there was a recession going on. Yeah, yeah. Okay? I mean, there, this was not an easy time in our country, and, and the community said, yeah, let's, let's, let's do this. Yeah. That propelled the park system into another chapter of its, of its history. In 2002, you know, the economy was booming. Uh, the voters told us that they wanted us to continue to buy open space and preserve habitat. So we passed a levy specifically to do that. And after 10 years, in 2012, we went back and said, you know, we've got a bunch of projects that we would like to complete. And so in 2012, we, we uh, were successful in passing a levy that, that propelled us into this next era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're, it's an exciting time for the community. Yeah. And one of the things you mentioned coming up this year is opening the middle grounds. Mm-hmm. I work downtown. Danny lives downtown. Can you tell us some if somebody didn't know anything about the middle grounds? What what I is it? Where is about it? The middle grounds. There, there I go. truly know nothing. <laughs> All right. Well, the middle grounds is called the middle grounds. Let's start there. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's it's on the banks of the Maumee River, and it's and it's in between the confluence of Swan Creek and the Maumee River. Okay. And it was a huge transportation hub. 
it was used by shipping. Okay, it was used by the, the canal terminated not too far down uh, from the, the middle grounds. Uh, we've got these historic photos that shows docks along the waterways. And then when the railroads came online, the canals went out. The, the, the place was used as a staging area and a switching yard for the railroads and whatnot. And, of course, it's got the Anthony Wayne Bridge going across. Mm. Uh, so that bridge, I think, is, is one of two suspension bridges that's left in Ohio that's maintained by the Department of Transportation. Wow. So it's kind of historic in its own right. Yeah. They just did a bunch of work on it. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And that was one of the reasons why we, we, we had to delay our project sure. until yeah. they got yeah. done. Um, so we've got this small little footprint just immediately south of the high-level bridge. Um, its total is, is like 20, 27 acres, I believe. Uh, we're going to have a, a brick shelter house or pavilion that's down there. It's going to be styled in an architectural style similar to what you would see downtown, mm -hmm. kind of picking up on the railroad history, the roundhouse kind of <laughs> theme. Um, we've got a, a waterway that we're building that will intercept all of the stormwater runoff coming off of the bridge and run it through a bioengineered wetland. And then take that back out and, and dump that into a, a small little cove that's on the banks of the river uh, that can also be used as a kayak launching site. Nice. Okay. It's going to have a, a, a small trail system. Going to have a small dog park. There you go. Front. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so there's there's like, um, I think there's 30,000 people within a, a, a walking radius of that park. And so we really want it to be a very pedestrian-friendly park. Mm -hmm. In addition to the people that, that live downtown, sure, they'll yeah. use it. The folks that work downtown, we anticipate that they're going to use it as well for lunch and things. Right, yeah. Of course, ProMedica is doing their big investment, uh, moving their headquarters down there. Joe Napoli and the Mud Hens are doing Henville. <laughs> yeah. uh, so there's a bunch going oh, yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A bunch happening and downtown. So. Yeah. Yeah, we just... Uh, the episode before yours will be Joe Napoli. We just yeah. recorded him on Friday and heard all about that stuff. So. Yeah, and Joe, yeah. you know, he's he's a remarkable uh, uh, asset for the community. Man, was he a great guy. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was fun. Oh, he's, he's a lot of fun. He's, yeah. a, he's a great guy, good visionary, uh, got a strong, deep commitment to the so community. So helpful to us. I think he yeah. connected us. Yeah. Oh, is that right? With yeah. you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we got this, uh, I got a great deal of respect for Joe. He's done some great things. So we got a lot of cool stuff going on downtown. Um, you know, we're, we're one of the portions of the plans I alluded to is this notion of trying to revitalize our blueways and okay. encouraging people to kayak and canoe on yeah, our rivers yeah. and waterways because we've been disassociated from that for sure. a couple decades, yeah. you know. What about ice dating like today? Um, <laughs> you know, I tell you what, in some areas that would be appropriate. We, we actually talked with Joe about um, working with the walleye about putting a skating rink down at Sidecut. Oh, wow. That'd you know, a awesome. temporary, you know, yeah. winter one and, and whatnot. That'd be cool. But this year, of course, we had, uh, yeah. I wouldn't plant palm trees just yet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but this but, year it was pretty mild. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is 11 degrees as we're talking Yeah, today now, is the but... first winter day that I would consider winter. Yeah, this weekend. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's been quite remarkable. Do you have a, do you have a favorite spot at the park? Or any of the parks? I find that there, uh, those three regions that I alluded to, uh, I like to take my kayak and go out on Metzger Marsh mm -hmm. and imagine what Howard Marsh, our project out there, is going to be like. Oh, okay. And the other thing I'd like to think about, or I like to think about when I'm out there, is this notion of all of those drainage canals. How cool would that be if the roads were just a tiny bit higher 
and you could kayak these, <laughs> these the canals. canals. Yeah. Yeah. That would be so neat, man. You could, you could. So, so I really enjoy that. I, I, the Maumee River is a magical place, and I'm a fly fisherman. And okay. so when the water conditions are right, I go out on the river, and it's such a giant waterway. Mm-hmm. You can get into such a deep zone. You know, you might as well be, you know, on the moon. I mean, <laughs> and it's just so big. Yeah. And you are, get so isolated out there, and I just love that. That's what really, that's what outdoor recreation is about. You know, I mean, long-distance runners, bikers, hikers, any of these folks, they talk about getting in a zone and getting into a place of flow. Yeah. yeah. You know, anytime you can submerge yourself like your yoga experience under the big tree, Yeah. you know, where you're totally immersed in your environment, and, and the Maumee River is so big and so powerful that you can get out in that and you can just, you know, you can feel that. And then, uh, you know, when you walk around the Oak Openings region, it, you oh, know, man. it's just so spectacular. It's amazing. It, and it's so diverse in what yeah. you're seeing. You know, to see a prickly pear cactus <laughs> next to a wetland. It's right. like, it, and I'm in Ohio? <laughs> amazing. Well, and is there, there's species of plants that are only found in Oak Openings, right? Well, they're... they're a host of uh, plants and animals that are rare and endangered for the state of Ohio. Now, some of them are federally listed. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. The whole global uh, ranking for oak openings is based on a, a, a rarity scale that the Nature Conservancy and other institutions have put together. So the grass savanna lands out in the oak openings are globally recognized for being that ecosystem is rare. But the Carner blue butterfly is very uh, is a federally listed plant. And right now, we are working with a doctor from Ohio State University who's working to confirm that one of the violets that we uh, found last year is, in fact, a new species. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's a big deal. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a really, really cool. big deal. Wow. Yeah, so it's cool stuff. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oak opening is beautiful. I'm a, since I'm really young, I'm big on Instagram. There's this spot out there that I was looking for mm-hmm. where all the trees just so high and it looks mm-hmm. like they go on forever it's called the northwest ohio spot or something I am very familiar oh with my it. goodness every time i see one of those pictures of those trees i'm like this can't be 15 minutes from my house this, oh yeah and uh, like there's some there's some really good photos that, that have come out of that and um you know that is a pine planting and interestingly enough back when the the park first acquired that property um, the idea was that they were coming in and, and planting these pine trees almost as a cover crop. Um, and at that level of uh, sophistication that the park system had, they didn't realize that those things don't, they really don't belong there, you know. <laughs> uh, but aesthetically, it's very unique and very pretty. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. But if you go down to Girdham Road where the actual dunes are and whatnot, mm-hmm. and you start looking at those oak savannas of the grasslands and the oak trees, it's just as engaging to me. My okay. wife's got a picture of me walking around with a suit and tie out there taking <laughs> kind of incongruity, you know. So I, I think you also mentioned that this Howard Marsh is, is going to be a new park coming mm-hmm. up this year. Well, it's going to be out to bid this year. Out to bid this That's year. That's a giant project. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what, what Howard Marsh will be or what well, you envision it to be. We have about 1,000 acres out there, and it's across the canal from Metzger's Marsh. And, of course, you know, birding is a huge oh, thing yeah. here. Yeah. Huge yeah. thing. 140,000 people. People or so come through the biggest week of birding Jeez. and all that kind of. I mean, it's giant. And if you guys haven't talked to Kim Kaufman, Kim Co- oh, you should have her on her. She she's the director of the uh, Black Swamp Bird Observatory. Okay, she's Very a cool. really wonderful lady, and her and her husband Ken Kaufman is a world renowned author and artist. Great. And um, but Kim can give you the whole lowdown on the whole bird thing. But uh, one of the big uh, 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 the big deals, of course, is is 
Metzger Marsh and that whole south uh, shore of Lake Erie is heavily utilized in, with migratory birds. And we have this large piece of agricultural land that we bought a few years ago. It's about 1,000 acres. It was called Howard Farm. We're going to call it Howard Marsh because we're going to build a marsh on it. Right sure. on. It's going to be about a 600-acre marsh when we restore it. We've worked with Ducks Unlimited, uh, JJR, out of, um, JJR Smith Group out of Ann Arbor, Division of Wildlife, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, uh, NOAA, a, a host of, of federal, state, non-for-profit, uh, institutions and planning this thing. And it's going to have um, three units, and, and two of them are going to be build, built or out to bid this year. The south unit is going to have a recreational component where it is going to have uh, kayak trails and boardwalks and that sort of thing. The northern unit will have those features too, but the northern unit is going to have waterfowl hunting. Oh, and that's wow. because we have gotten some money from the, the Division of Wildlife. Sure. And so it's going to have limited or controlled waterfowl hunting. And oh, that's yeah. only 60 days out of the year. Too, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sweet. <laughs> but it is, a, uh, it, it, it is a spectacular marsh. And so, like I said, I, I like to go out in my kayak out in Metzger Marsh, paddle around, take pictures, and, and say, yeah, this is going to be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a way of introducing people into marshes. Sure, yeah. Because the park is that interface. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, U.S. Fish and Wildlife and Division of Wildlife, they don't really do that, you know, but we do. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. so if I can get you and your kid to come out there on one of Ashley's paddleboard or kayak programs, okay, you're going to come out there and you're going to say, ah, I never had an experience like this. I didn't realize this was here. The only yeah. way yeah. I've ever looked at marshes is going 60 miles an hour as I drove by. Yeah. Right. yeah. This yeah. is pretty neat. <laughs> yeah. You know. That's exciting. Yeah, it is very cool. So we got a lot of good things going on, and um, I'm glad to have the opportunity to come in and talk a little bit about it. Yeah. You you mentioned bird watching. Uh, In that program I was looking at, I saw an exhibit on the whimsical woodcock. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Danny's last name is Woodcock. Oh, is that right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What is is a woodcock? Well, a woodcock is, uh, you ever go on a snipe hunt? Danny? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> well, actually, there, you take me yeah, that, 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 you know, that's the old, uh, yeah. that's the old uh, rural America joke. Let's take our urban, you know, cousins out on a snipe hunt, you know, give them, give them a bag, let them walk around in the dark and beat the bag with a stick and yeah. snipe will fly to it, you know, yeah, yeah. well, there, you know, um, actually a, a woodcock is, is a really cool little bird. They're also called a timber doodle. They're about the size of a robin. They got a really oversized beak and they eat worms and, and uh, burrowing insects, you know, that are down in the, uh, the earth. They migrate through this area, but they also uh, nest here. And okay. in the uh, springtime when they're nesting and when they're courting, they fly up into the air and they make a very unique sound. They make these circles and yeah. they fall back down to the earth. They're kind of <laughs> like, you know, a helicopter that's lost control, and it just kind of spirals down. They, they hit on the ground, and then they do the whole thing again. So if you go out at dusk, like um, in the last half of April or so, you can see these things, and, and they're, they're really enjoyable to watch. You know? That's a mating, a mating mm-hmm. call kind of thing? It's mm-hmm. exactly how I do it. Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Stumble down, pass yeah. out, and then yeah. do it all over again. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's going to feel sorry for him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the sympathy technique. I, I remember that. It works. I tried that. It works. Yeah. <laughs> So you, you live downtown now? I do. How do you, how do you like living downtown? Well, you know, I, uh, I've always lived out in rural areas and, and whatnot for the most of my life anyway. Half and my wife and I decided we would do something a little different. 
So it's very cool to be able to walk down to the farmer's market on Saturday, which, yes. by the way, is great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We've definitely talked up with people about that on the show, for sure. And, uh, you know, I enjoy walking over to Grumpy's uh, for a breakfast meeting, and, and, you know, that's within striking distance. If, uh, a lot of my meetings in the summertime, if they're downtown, I'll just walk to them. You know, yeah. I'll start oh, my yeah. day that way. Um, yeah, I like to get up in the morning or in the evening or at night and go down and walk uh, along Swan Creek and, and walk along the river. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks have asked me, well, aren't you afraid? You know, and it's like, <laughs> you know, um, aren't you afraid of the homeless people? Well, I've had a couple encounters with homeless people. You know, I've been yeah. panhandled a couple times, which for for living in downtown for four years is nothing. Yeah. I mean, you know, go to Portland and you get that in two blocks, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, in you know, one of the, people are friendly. I, I've oh, never yeah. felt intimidated. Um, most of the intimidation factor with downtown comes from aesthetics. You know, we have some yeah. rough-looking areas. Yeah. And, Absolutely. You know, and and like I live um, 1.3 miles from from the museum. Uh, yeah. Okay. I can walk to the museum, and I've done it several times. And the museum grounds are beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, the museum is a tremendous asset, tremendous destination, and, and cultural resource for us. But I'll walk there, uh, and there's about six blocks, maybe less than that, on that walk that are kind of visually upsetting. You don't feel safe exactly, at, right? Exactly, yeah. And so, but as far as really being safe, I, I had one person come up to me one time. I was walking on a day about like today, and, you know, the guy came up, and he says, Hey, uh, buddy, you know, it's like 17 degrees outside. You should really have a hat on. <laughs> Yeah, 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 you know. So he's right. He <laughs> is exactly. I was going to say something about you walking in this. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I had a policeman stop me one time uh, two, uh, three years ago when it was really, really cold on January. I don't know, fourth or fifth. I was out walking, taking pictures, and I had a, a, a Toledo police officer stop and pull over, and he goes. You do realize it's below zero, right? <laughs> I go, yeah. He goes, what are you doing? So I'm taking some photographs. I said, it doesn't get that cold here. And I wanted to go down and take pictures of Swan Creek. And he like looked at me and says, you are all right. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm fine. You know? so, so, you know, the, it's, the out of doors is something you got to embrace, you know. So, yeah, but yeah. Anyway, so I, I enjoy walking around downtown. Cool. And uh, it's, a, it's a real cool thing to get up early in the morning, watch the sunrise come up over the mommy. And yeah. it's just a sweet, it's a sweet experience. Yeah. I like it. So you mentioned downtown, and since I just moved there, I got to ask this question. We asked almost, well, we do ask everyone this. If there was, and it doesn't have to be downtown, but if it is, that's great for me. But if there was one thing that, or maybe a few things that are just hidden gems of Toledo that you really want to tell people about, like, hey, you got to check out. Other than the out. Metro Parks. Yeah, other, <laughs> you can't mention the Metro Parks, mm-hmm. everyone else already did. Sure. Uh, but, well, I, plus, we talked about we that. We just spent 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but if there were one, maybe a few things that you just, man, you guys got to check out Kango Sushi or whatever it is. Well. Shout um, out Kango Sushi. Yeah, I, I think... Um, <laughs> You know, the, the you know, the obvious big ones are, you know, it's a great zoo. Yeah. You know, the mm-hmm. mud hens are great. You go to a mud hens game, you know, you walk out of there and somebody says, did they win? And you're going, I don't know. <laughs> That's not I, the point. I, right? had a, I had a great time, though. I can yeah. tell you Blast. that. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so the hens and, and the walleye are big fun. Um, the, uh, uh, the zoo and the art museum, of course, are great. The library is a cool thing to take people to. You know, so you, you got those big ones, the, the Stranahan, the, the Valentine. These are, these are great cultural assets. And one of the reasons why Toledo has them is we did not sprawl like so many other Midwestern cities did, not to the same degree. And, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I, I grew up in the Dayton area. I spent a lot of time 
working outside of, of, of Dayton. Of course, I worked for a number of years outside of Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And um, our sprawl, our suburban sprawl was a little bit to the west and, and, and into Wood County. But, you, you know, a, a community like Dayton has sprawled out into five or six counties. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it bleeds that, that urban center dry. Oh yeah. Okay, and the, and there's a soul association of urban decay that has concentric circles uh, mm -hmm. as communities continue to move out, they deteriorate from the inside out, right? And and we haven't had too much of that, and so that's really been beneficial in keeping some of these institutions like the ballet and the opera. Mm -hmm. It keeps it focused, right? <clears throat> but Toledo has an amazing music scene. Oh, in yeah. addition oh, yeah. to in addition to the art scene. Uh, you know, in the glass and, and whatnot. It's got a tremendous music scene. There are some great players in town. I mean, there's some great players in town. Yeah. There's a great guitarist named Steve. Uh, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I just, I just like to sing with the boys, you know, every now and then when they let me on stage. But that that's one of those hidden gems that yeah. a lot of folks... Well, that's, that's a yeah, great absolutely. point. Yeah. Um, you know, Bobby and Johnny are, are just stellar players. There's mm -hmm. some great jazz players around town. Um and then uh, the for, as far as the restaurants go, you know, of course there's San Marcos, oh, which is yeah. very very good. And then my other one, and you're you're like really close to San. Oh Marcos, yeah, yeah. So that was my first. That'd be dangerous. Uh, that was the <laughs> first place I, I walked to. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I, I got a picture actually labeled on my on my uh, phone that says first meal. And it's got a <laughs> bag of stuff I brought from San Marcos. The 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 other one that's incredible is uh, QQ Kitchen. Oh yeah, there yes. we go. Yes. Yep. My my wife and I found uh, those places early on. Of course, I like the. Um, uh, Glass City Cafe. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like how can you go wrong? They, they combine it with music on Saturday mornings. They stuff. do, yeah. and you know, I, we walk down to the Dirty Bird a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, and every now and then make a trek to Table Forty Four. So we've got some options, and we use them. Yeah. Does your yeah. coffee cup say Yeti on it? It does. That, <laughs> and I, I got, I got like, uh, I got a no. Okay, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I was wondering. I got three of these things. You know, I mean, I Looks was custom. fortunate. To, oh, those things are great. Yeah. It's like, they make they make really good hunting coolers. Oh, okay. Uh, for, for, I've just been, sorry. I've been looking at it all day. Like, if you want to buy a five hundred dollar cooler that will last you the rest of your life, I know Yeti is the way to go. Uh, uh, the, same with these mugs. They're fantastic. <laughs> I lose that mug and I get more rattled than if I uh, left my cell phone. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm addicted to it. You know. It's yeah. hey, What's that pin on your shirt? I don't know what is. It? Oh, this one's from the Rough Grouse Society. Okay, yeah. he's got a cool lapel pin. I know this isn't a visual thing, but he has a cool <laughs> lapel pin. I had to ask. Yeah, I've I've had the I've really been fortunate to to work and meet and and love some really wonderful people in, mm -hmm. in this field. And and uh, one of my buddies was on the national board of the Rough Grouse Society, and you know, and I worked with them on a couple projects. And I guess it's a nice little pewter pin, so cool. think about right it on. and wear it. So there we yeah. go. Well, thanks, guys. Well, thank you. We yeah. really appreciate you coming on yep, and pleasure. taking the time. Well, I appreciate what you guys are doing for the community, too, because that's what's needed. Yeah, thank you. People that's... need to stand up and say, hey, man, this is a great place to live, and I'm proud to be here. That's yeah, what we're trying to do. That's the idea, for sure. Right. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us for episode 13 of the Toledo Matters podcast, and we hope to have you tuning back in in two weeks for our next episode.